If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hello there, it's Jamila Jamil. Are you by any chance listening to this podcast promo while out on a walk? If so, good for you. That's going to make both your mind and your body feel better. On my podcast, I Weigh, this month, we're going to be exploring mental health and talking to amazing guests about other things that you can do to make yourself feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. From boy to boots, getting them on, that is. This is you talking you two to me. The comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things you two. This is good rock and roll uh, music. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Scott Sitting across the table from me, wearing an old Comedy Death Ray Radio t-shirt and a leather jacket, his nighttime jacket, I think, and sporting a stash. Sun sun goes down, leather goes on. (laughs) Of course. It's that old old adage. Well, you got to heat up. You know? Oh, yeah. Leather doesn't breathe, but when the temperature lowers, you got to heat the body up. You zip up the leather jacket, you jog in place, you get the sweats out, mm-hmm. and then then you go downtown. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about eating pussy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm talking about sucking dicks. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Jesus. What, what is, what's happening? Right off the bat. My God. Uh, I want to introduce him. Uh, so you know exactly <laughs> who was talking. Dick is here. <laughs> he, okay, we know him from parks, not only parks, but recreation as well. Both of them. So you, your job on that show, you don't just patrol the parks, but you also make sure people are having recreation times. That they're adhering to the recreation. <laughs> sure. Um, you, the show doesn't deal with you patrolling the parks all that much, but I assume you do that. Every night when the office closes. Yeah, when the cameras aren't on, um, I patrol all of the parks in town. <laughs> when the cameras are not on. So your character knows that the the cameras are not on. Yeah. The, well, the cameras still follow us around. They just don't use that footage on the show. When the show They're not turned on. <laughs> yeah, when the show finishes, there will be an entire season of – just um, park patrolling. Yeah, park patrolling. Like Buffy the Vampire Slayer where she would patrol the graveyard. Exactly. I don't know what you're talking about, yet, but yes, exactly. Oh, you're too cool for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Exactly. Okay, I forgot. So you know him from that show, but then, amazingly, he leapt from television to the silver screen 
appearing in the upcoming Time Machine 2. (laughs) Coming out this Christmas. Do you suggest people see it on Christmas? My God. Um, Yeah, Scott. I think that Christmas Day... I suggest what my suggestion for parents is, and by the way, we haven't talked about this movie enough on our show, so thank you. <laughs> oh, sure. I suggest for all parents of children, and I'm talking ten and under. I think children all ages, ninety nine and below. Hey, I mean, we all have a kid inside of us, but mm-hmm. I'm talking specifically. I'd love you, to have a kid no, inside. Yeah, of yeah, me. yeah, yeah. If you shut up for a second, I'm talking specifically about uh, parents of children ten and under. You skip the gifts in the morning. You say, mm-hmm. Santa came, and this is what he got. And you pull out tickets to Hot Tub Time Machine. The ticks, the sweet ticks. Yeah. And you bring the kids to the movie. Mm-hmm. And you, um, like, wave the ticket yeah. in the air, and you're like, Hot Tub Time Machine 2! Yeah. Hot Tub Time Machine 2! And they say, Daddy, where are my presents? And you say, well, You have a two-hour-long present waiting yeah. for you right now. And you bring them there, but then, you, since it's rated R, probably, you say, you cover their sorry, eyes. you can't come, yeah. and you leave them in the lobby. Mm-hmm. And then, meanwhile, you see that sweet... What, what's the filthiest... Except you don't say sorry. Oh, right, right. Sorry, not sorry. Yep. How about that? Yep. What's the filthiest thing you say in that movie, just so we can get ready for it? Uh, I'm going to play a little trick on you here mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say the filthiest thing I say is hey let's go roll around in the mud <laughs> Adam <laughs> just kidding around. I'm kidding around. you are kidding around yeah, and yeah, yeah. you are known for that yeah I, I, I like to kid around every uh, uh, you know every now and again I like to just throw out I'm some irreverent uh, you know, just a You're a like quip the George Clooney of verbal speech. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> You're like the Ashton Kutcher. You've all been punked orally. Yeah. I I punk. I am orally punking all of my friends at all times. <laughs> I love it. Um. By the way, Scott is over here across. I didn't introduce you. Hello, Scott. Hey. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Um. Do you want to introduce me? You did that for the first time last week. That oh, was fun. Yeah. Ladies and ge- ladies and germs. <laughs> Pumped. Yeah, again, I'm j- I'm just fooling around. Uh sitting across the table from me is you know him from this is Scott. Sorry. You don't know him. You know, you know him. This is Scott. Thank you. Is that you know, hype me Sorry, up a let little me, bit. Let me start over. Uh this is Scott. Sitting across the table from me is a man that you know, Scott. All right, you can throw some credits in there. Okay, okay, okay. I haven't done a lot. This but. is a man who worked on Shark Tale. <laughs> yes. And they know this exactly is a man who, is. who who is here. This is a man <laughs> who sits in chairs. I exist. This is a man who is Scott. Yes! Hello, listeners. There you go. You are listening to you talking you 2 to me, where we cover everything about you 2 yeah. And this is a very special episode. Would you agree, this, Scott, this is a very special episode? Yeah. Not only because of the subject matter, which we have been talking about for weeks now, that yeah. we are going to get to, and we're finally ready because we have finally boned up on this musical. Yeah. You finished the book. I finished the book. Mm-hmm. We've listened to the soundtrack a bunch. We're ready to talk about it, but not only because 
of the subject matter, which of course we are talking all show about U2's Spider-Man. Turn off the dark. If you would please turn off the dark. Hey, Spider-Man, turn off the dark. Hey, Spidey, do me a fucking favor. Turn off the dark. Hey, Webhead. Yeah. Got one request for you. Turn off the dark. Hey, how about you use your spidey sense and turn the dark off? Hey, why don't you flip a web in this direction at the light switch? Turn off the dark. Hey, you see that light switch? Guess what? Turn off the dark. Hey, Spidey, with great power, i.e. this light bulb, comes great responsibility to turn off the dark. (laughs) Hey, Spides. Yeah, get your head out of your ass. Please, turn off the dark. So you see exactly what we'll be talking about this entire show. (laughs) But not only because of the subject matter, but because we have a special guest. He jumped in and said downtown dick earlier. And if you know those dulcet tones, you know exactly who we're talking about. You know him from his very own podcast, Doug Loves Movies, which to my knowledge is not about the musical theater. At all, so he probably has not talked about this on his own podcast. But he lets it slip every once in a while on Doug Love's movies, his knowledge of musical theater. I believe he's pretty knowledgeable. Yes, and as a matter of fact, we— And I am deriving this— I'll just shut the fuck up while you talk. from listening to the podcast, not from knowing this. I'm just—I'm 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 just— Hey, man. I'm just— Hey. Hi. Hey, you got stuck. Sorry, what? A worthy uh. <laughs> a worthy uh. Oh, boy. I got a little insider information, if you wouldn't mind shutting the fuck up and turning off your dark, which is your fucking dark mouth. Hmm. Interesting. We'll, and see, here's, we'll see how that comes back around for you later in the show. Here's my insider info. I've known our guest for a while, and we used to have, that's right, season tickets at the taper here in Los Angeles, and we saw many a musical together. So, I know he loves musicals. I don't need to listen to some stupid show and guess that he loves musicals. Are you calling our guest's show stupid? I am, and we'll talk about that when he is introduced. (laughs) I do not like it. Um, You know him from Doug Loves Movies. You know him from the Benson Interruption, which ran on Comedy Central and now can be seen nationwide in theaters, uh, comedy theaters. You, oh, yeah, none of the drama theaters are playing it. <laughs> you know him from Super Jaime. Not Spider Jaime, Super Jaime. You Don't know, get those two mixed up. And he has a brand new podcast, uh, well, not brand new, but newish, uh, a video podcast mm-hmm. um, on the VPN network, am I right? Or mm-hmm. Jash or something? The Visible Panty Network. I was just going <laughs> to. <laughs> Called Getting Dug With High, mm-hmm. where he gets. <laughs> Uh, partakes of illegal substances with his guests. He should be arrested, but no, he's here in the studio. Uh, please welcome Doug Benson. Hello, Doug. Hey. Hi, Doug. Everybody, both of you and Sam. Engineer Sam is here, mm-hmm. which by the way, Doug, now that I've introduced you, you're free to talk all you want, but we need to turn our attention over to Sam. Hey, Sam. Hey, everyone. Uh, because uh, Engineer Cody Sam over here. Mm-hmm. Uh we were talking in our last two episodes a lot about Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. Were we not? Mm-hmm. Did you go last night? Yeah, I did. Sam How, went last okay. night. Okay. Oh, sorry. You were going to. That's okay. We, uh, that was my question. How was it? Break it down. Tell us all about it. Uh, it was great, but 
all hits. What? Just pretty much all hits. Oh, t- t- go through the set list. I, it didn't occur to me to write it down I'll get about it. halfway I'll get through. It. I'll get it. But you don't I have to write it, was, it down. It was, it was mostly all hits. May, what was yesterday? Well, uh, I guess 27. at this point, they all feel like hits because, like, Piano Man, for instance, isn't a hit. But as what? opposed to. It wasn't a hit when it was out. Well, yeah, but you can't call that song not a hit. That's but the song he's I mainly. Just I just You're called a buffoon. it not a hit. You're a buffoon. I heard him do it. Okay, here we go. Set list from uh, last night, right? Yeah, yeah. May 27th. Miami 2017. We've talked about this every single episode. Not a hit, mm-hmm. um, but that's the but first But he opened one. all three nights with it. He opened all three nights with it. So you can't go, hey, nothing but hits because well-established at this point, not a hit, and he's opened all three nights with it. Moving Out Anthony song. That's a hit. Yeah. Yeah. Your song, Elton John cover. Wow. Interesting. Slash, he probably just played a little snippet of it. Was that? Yeah, it was a snub when it got to the line where it says, I might a have snub? a lot of money. Oh, and he says, oh, bullshit. Right, right. Wait, it was a snub? I believe that's a term. Just, uh, who did he snub? I've heard of snubs and flubs. Who did he, he snub with? It was with just that? like a joke. He didn't yeah. play the whole song. Oh, okay. Yeah, when it got to that line about oh, having money. So he snubbed going, oh, Elton John? Yeah. So he played a little bit of it, mm-hmm. then got to it. Don't have a lot of money anyway. And then he just bullshit. Went, oh, bullshit. And then he stopped. Yeah. Okay. And then he goes into Everybody Loves You Now, which we talked about. Not he, a hit. But he played that. He played it the no. first night. Zanzibar, he played the first night. Did he play it the second night? Mm hmm. Okay. New York State of Mind, that's a hit. Mm-hmm. All for Lania, not a hit. Okay. The Entertainer, that's a hit. I think hit. All for Lena was a hit back in the day. I don't know. Then he played Where's the Orchestra again. Wait, not what was hit. after All for Lena? The Entertainer. That's mm-hmm. a hit. Where's the Orchestra? Not a hit. Allentown. The hit. Entertainer was not a hit. He didn't have a hit until The Stranger came out, which was like 77, 76. But you're, you're always like, a woman to me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get through Billy Joel's set list. <laughs> okay, so after The Entertainer was what? Where's the orchestra? Uh-huh. Not a hit again. Allentown, hit. Mm-hmm. Say Goodbye to Hollywood, hit. She's Always a Woman, hit. My Life, hit. Don't Ask Me Why, hit. Keeping the Faith. Again, if you haven't seen this video, <laughs> this amazing <laughs> cameo at the end. The Mr. Worth T. It. <laughs> Worth, not Mr. T. Worth it, though, I gotta Who say. Who is it? You gotta watch it, man. Is it I'm Ray gonna... Charles? No, it's not Ray Charles. <laughs> is it Rodney Dangerfield? What's go... No. Richard Pryor... <laughs> Cameo's at the beginning of the video. Oh. It gets even better at the end. He gets a special. Eddie Murphy? Uh, I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, scenes from Italian Restaurant. I mean, hit-ish, although still. I mean, it was on The Stranger, so anything on The right. Stranger was a hit. Then River of Dreams. Mm-hmm. We didn't start that the That was a hit. Fire. Oh, God. We didn't say. He did. We didn't start the fire. What did, did he yeah. apologize before or after? No. Very little, I think he likes uh, showing off banter. that he can still say all those words really fast. Does he, did he have uh, what do you call it? Teleprompter or anything, or, or written on his hand, or what? Uh, I don't know. I think it's the only song in recorded history that has the word thalidomide in it. <laughs> we should write a new That's one. That's right. Doug's right about that. <laughs> did you just look that up on your snack? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's still rock and roll to me, Big Shot Piano Man. So yeah, you're right. From no passion? From 9 through 20, it's all hits. Yeah. Real little stage banner just, yeah. just bang through I would and have got been, out. I would have been disappointed. I think I agree with Adams. If there's a three-day, always go to night two. Because by the third one, he just seemed 
But that's essentially he didn't have a ton of stage banner either the other nights, and that's no. essentially the same set list we saw. Uh, not really, actually, because the first night that I was there, he played some of those, but these are like the hits he played on night one and night two, but all back to back. Does that no, make no. sense? No. What What was like? Oh, Jesus. What was like Christ. an album track he didn't play here that he played when we saw him? Dude, okay, I'll go through it. Will you give me one second to look it up? No. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know. Who Time's cares? up, man. I think it sounds like a great show. Uh, but I. But a lot of songs. Yeah. May seventeen. I'm gonna say. That's probably why he doesn't talk much. He's got a lot of songs to play. Um. Is this May 17? No, this is May 27 again. Hold on. I got it. I'll tell you what he fucking played. Vienna? How about that? Beautiful well, he played, song. He played, you know, Everybody Loves You Now. Okay, but Vienna? Ballad of Billy the Kid? Um, Sometimes a Fantasy? Well, he played all for Lena, according to you. That's uh, Jesus, what is your fucking problem tonight? I'm trying to prove you wrong. Well, don't make that your fucking life's work. Don't try to do it when I'm right. I think it sounds like a fine show. <laughs> Prove him wrong when he's wrong. Yeah, exactly. You know, that should be everyone's motto. Mm-hmm. Um, you're listening to You Talking You 2 to me, where we exclusively talk about You 2. Uh, <laughs> Doug, thank you, yes. Sam, by the way, sure. for that uh, uh, incredible recap. Of Billy Joel Night 3. People were wondering, hey, Scott and Scott aren't going to be there. What are we going to do? Sam, you're there to pick up the slack. Let me ask you this, Sam. Did you go because we've been talking about it? Or were you just interested? Uh, no. If you remember, uh, someone bought tickets while we were I don't that give a shit. All right. I'm sorry. Some, a friend of yours? Yeah, tickets? during yesterday's oh, right. podcast. Right, 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 right. Yesterday's meaning last week's. Yes. So your friend bought tickets and alerted you to it while we were talking about mm-hmm. B- Billy Joel. Ah. That's, that sounds amazing. And uh, did you enjoy it? I did. Okay. Yes, I did. How were your seats? Front row center? Yes. Great. That's the only way to go. I, don't, I won't go. <laughs> Scott will not go to a concert. I will not go to a concert unless it's front row center. It's just not worth it. Mm-mm. It's just not worth it. You pay so much to go to a concert. Why not be front row center? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, thank you for that, Sam. Uh, I have to ask Doug Benson, mm-hmm. opinions of Billy Joel? Oh, he's all right. I like him. Scintillating. Yeah, I didn't like him at the time when I was a youngster and, and like Big Shot would come on or something. I did not uh, care for it very mm-hmm. much. But then uh, later, his later albums I kind of got into. I didn't like that, speaking of musicals, I didn't like that uh, that Moving On musical or whatever. Moving did you see out? It? Or moving move- out, yeah, okay. moving out. I didn't like that. You saw it? Yeah. Okay, and this will be, just... in- be interesting because we'll be talking about U2's musical very yes, soon. Right. So please Contrast tell us to compare. That. Was there like a narrative to it, or were they just doing Billy Joel? Songs? There was a pseudo narrative of a bunch of people, like like kids in like greaser outfits and a r- romance on the wrong side of the tracks. Or Can I just something? say, I think uh, a pseudo narrative is a narrative. Okay, so when he asked, "Is there a narrative?" You shouldn't have said no. There's, but it's really, it's really thin. As thin as it is, it's, it is it's a narrative. Super thin. And narrative. to say no to this man, Scott is a real stickler for narrative. <laughs> to say no to this gentleman who Thank I you. have hosted this show with for now fifteen episodes. Thank I've you. I've sat across the table from him for fifteen episodes, and for you to say there's no narrative, you how dare you, sir? How dare you, Scott? What? Scott. 
What? It's not Scott? worth it. It's not. He's not worth, worth it. it. It is not worth He's it. He's not worth it. Exactly. Shit. Exactly. Lower your voice. It's not <sighs> worth it. Doug? There's a guy like sitting at the piano playing Billy Joel songs and uh and it's like the whole time I was like, Well, what's is Billy Joel busy? Like why can't he be the guy <laughs> like it would be so sitting much better there playing if this the was songs. Just Billy Joel. Yeah, and you could have your dancers and at least Billy Joel would be there. As expensive as going to see Billy Joel, right? Yeah, if not more so, yeah. It was a huge hit though, right? People loved it. Yeah, I just I didn't get it because it, it didn't have enough of a narrative for my taste. But it but did it have did one. Have, yes. Jesus. It had one. Um, is Spider-Man, by the way, is Spider-Man still mm-hmm. on Broadway? No, as a matter of fact. Just finished up. You can go to the Earwolf page where you see all the pictures or go to our Tumblr, Earwolf Tumblr, and there will be, you'll see a picture of me standing in front of the theater in front of the sign, and it is closed. Uh, when I was in New York a couple of uh, weeks ago, I, I chanced upon the theater, and I took a picture in front of it. I'm you, bummed. Did you chance upon it? <laughs> Um, As you were running around on the old, uh, the Great Right Way on Broadway, so it just it just closed recently. Yeah, it just shuttered. Wow, that was a long run for. It ended such up being a, like four and a half years, maybe three three years. Three years. Wow. Yeah. 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 And I think that's just because children say, "Mommy, Daddy, I want to see that." It didn't matter what. Yeah, was, was going to happen. Well, you know, when I I think I've told you this, Doug Scott, get ready for it because this is probably your first time. Yeah, I'd never heard this before. But um, when I was twelve years old, oh god, <laughs> I was a little boy. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a big boy, certainly. Yeah, but at this point, I was not ready to be a big boy. Right, I was just a little boy. I knew no other way mm-hmm. other than to be a little boy. Sure, I had big boy dreams. Uh, yeah. We all do when we're that age. Sure. But at that point, I was not a big boy. I was a right. little boy. My parents, I still had parents because I was a little boy. Yeah. My parents and I and my entire family yeah. went to, where else? New York City. Uh-huh. Well, there are a lot of other places. Well, we ended up being, we chanced upon New York City. Okay. Um, we she were asked. plans sometime. <laughs> we were asked well in advance. We're going to see a Broadway show. We've never seen one before. We, uh, My parents never been to New York City. Yeah. I've never been to New York City. What Broadway show would you like to go to? They'd done a little research. They had picked out two things for us to go to. One was the Merlin musical starring Doug Henning mm-hmm. where he did magic while everyone sang around him. Sounds great. Why even have an alternate <laughs> The other was some musical about cats singing. And we said, what? That sounds terrible. Let's see Merlin. <laughs> oh, my God. I think you made the right call. <laughs> I probably. Well, having seen cats ultimately, since then, yes. Yeah, ultimately is probably yeah. six and you one, know, half dozen of the other. You know who played the little boy in that musical? Christian Slater. Oh. Uh, let the record show I pulled my hair back like I was doing Jack Nicholson. Um. Christian Slater's in Hot Tub Time Machine too. Is he really? Yeah. Tell us some Christian Slater stories. No. What? So wait. How was how was the Merlin musical? It was. You know, I was a twelve year old kid getting to the point that I was trying to make. I was a twelve year old kid. Of course, I a little boy. To see, I was a little boy. What you saw was more special than Cats. More people saw Cats because mm-hmm. you got yeah. to have a, like almost like a private, audience. a unique experience. You got yeah. to see a flop, and yet 
you would say, well, that is a that is that is a missed opportunity. You could have seen Broadway history, one of the first you know performances of this thing that became a major smash and and ran longer than any other show in history. But instead, I went to go see this thing because I was a little boy, yeah, and I enjoyed it more. Yeah. And that's that's to your point, Doug. That is why Spider Man ran for so long. But we're not talking about Spider Man yet. Is Cat still up and running? No, I think- no, no, no. Some version of it must be some. Oh, maybe like dinner theater or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, yeah, no, yeah. not its Broadway run. Has Spider-Man traveled at all? It's probably impossible. It's probably he, about he to travel. He the webs on the buildings and, and swings. He gets from place he to place. He swings from yes. building to building. Yes. Yeah. He also holds the ball a lot when he's playing basketball. <laughs> but uh, what – like, did it open in Vegas? It, or it, I don't think it hasn't done anything yet, but it's they going say it's to. It's going to Vegas. It's got to do something because yeah, they, they can't. They can't. Vegas. That can't be the end of it because they got to milk it more money out of it. Um, we are not talking about Spider Man yet because Doug uh, Doug Benson is here because you have seen the Spider Man musical. You're mm-hmm. a big musical fan, so you have a lot of firsthand experience that I do not have with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll be talking about that after a break. Uh, before we get to it, and we'll also be talking about you and I have seen you two together twice mm-hmm. because we used to be the concert buddies. It's true. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that. But first, I wanted to get to some of our viewer, uh, or rather, listener mail. I uh, w- just wanted to thank some people for sending us stuff. Um, Chris, could you pour? Are you peeing? <laughs> are you peeing right into the microphone? I'm uh, trying to do a Kevin Costner and just, you know, instead of having to leave, just you know, go ahead and drink my own urine. <laughs> that is, by the way, not a movie reference. That is something he just does. He didn't do that in The Postman? I want to thank Chris Kratian, I believe is how you pronounce it. Are you really checking your phone while I'm doing – thanking the listeners for sending us stuff? No, I was This is was so boring not. to you? I was not doing What are you that. doing then? I was – there was a smudge on the phone. I had to get it off of there. So you're sort of OCD about the smudges on your phone? No, I just had to because it was it was going to impair me being able to Just have a little focus, fucking respect is all I'm asking. I have absolute respect. These are people who enjoy the show and they I, sent us things. I know. I'm really excited. Okay. Motherfucker. What are you reaching inside your jacket for? A gun. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, wait. Actually... I have this right here for you. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I love the record show. I flipped him off. Um, Chris Cradian, I think that's – or I hope that's how you pronounce it. Thank you so much for sending us both CDs, two yeah, CD sets awesome. that you burned for us. Thank you so much. He sent us uh, the Melon remixes, which I actually just got, mm-hmm. but thank you so much. Um, do you Did you have the Melon remixes? Uh, yeah, but what I did not have was the other thing he sent. Yes, I didn't have, have this either. Hasta la Vista Baby live from Mexico City. Um, thank you for burning those. He says that uh, he got those from their fan letter and their newsletter propaganda, and he burned them for us, which is illegal as far as I know. But I appreciate it. Uh, we should give the FBI his name and address. <laughs> thank you, Chris. Uh, I also want to thank Matt D. Wilson, co-host of the War Rocket Ajax podcast, um, for sending us this cool rock and roll comic book about you two part two of two yeah didn't, it's did, awesome didn't get there early years, i wouldn't apparently. want to jump into the second part like that I'd because like, it just jumps you right in first panel welcome back i'm still bono 
But oh, that's, a, that's part, a good update. What that was lets you know what one. happened in part one. He was Bono in part one, and then this one, he's still Bono. Well, in panel four, Bono says, last time we told you our story up until around 1984. So uh, that's probably what Oh, I this is the history of the band. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's a cool comic book that has a lot of panels of them standing on stage playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is he still Bono at the very end? Flip ahead. Oh, oh, man, that's a good question. Spoiler. Last panel. Hey, guys, guess what? I'm still Bono. <laughs> Turn off the dark before you go. Um, thank you Can so I much for that? that. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> we haven't done that in a couple episodes. Yeah. Thank you, Matt, for that. And then uh, also I want to thank Daryl uh, Sakame. Uh, Daryl, you did not have to go do this, but you sent me f- uh, a very nice gift. I don't even want to say what it is. No, actually, I will say what it is because I want to give them a shout-out. But um, sent me four bottles of wine from uh, his friend's winery, Sans Liege, located in Pismo Beach, where I used to play volleyball out on the beach, uh, California. And uh, uh, Sans Liege, really great winery. His friend uh, um, was not looking for a plug, by the way. But he, this is, uh, Daryl is a really big fan and really super nice, supportive guy. Doug, you know Daryl, I'm yes, sure. Yes, I do. Really cool guy his who happened Sean. to, who and through no fault of his own, happened to Twitter snitch me out. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> when I, as a joke, called Kulop a derogatory name on this podcast. And he, knowing it was a joke, joking around, called her that on Twitter, thinking that she must know what he was talking about. But all it looked like was him calling her a bad name. And I jumped into his defense to say, hey, don't block him. This is a joke from the podcast. Did he lose some bro points that day? (laughs) Which started a fight between Kulop and I. Like a real world fight. Yeah. Which, by the way, she called me that very same thing last night. And I said, how do you, how come you get to call me that and yeah. I don't? And she says, well, I'm joking. And I said, yeah, but I was joking yeah. too. And Maybe because oh, it thought, wasn't public. She should have said because you are a no, stupid even, bitch. That, that, she said that too. She goes, well, I didn't do it on a podcast. I said, but I've done it to you in real life and you still get as mad. And she goes, yeah, it's inconsistent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should just call her from now on, call her a foolish woman. <laughs> well, even that – Calling someone a foolish woman, like why call someone something that can only be applied to one one gender? Just call her foolish. But she's not. She's right. wonderful. Uh, Daryl, <laughs> thank you. He did that to apologize. You did not need to do that, but I appreciate Is that. Is it good wine? It looks good. It's from Sans Lige. Uh-huh. Sans oh, Lige. <laughs> Have you ever had to do a French accent in a movie? Uh, yes, many, 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 many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Give us a little taste. Sans Lige. What did you just say? Was that an accent or is that actual French? Uh, that's actual French. Oh, Sorry, gosh. do you want the accent? Oh, you weren't doing the accent then? <laughs> no, it was just an actual piece just of French. Piece of yeah, French. if you oh, say yeah, actual yeah. French, it's not an accent. Oh, yeah. right, 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 actual right. French. Yeah. Okay, give me English words but the accent. What would you like me to say? I'd like you to say, hi, this is Adam Scott. Would any of you gentlemen like to suck my balls? Okay. <laughs> Joseph. Right? Oh, I don't know. Oh, wee oui, wee. Oui. Is that the right answer? <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> My name is Adam Scott. When it, <laughs> would any of you gentlemen like to suck my balls? <laughs> um, 
we have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the times Doug and I have seen you two together. Can't That'll be wait. fun. Mm-hmm. That'll be a lot of fun, right? And we'll talk about U2 360, which I know you've been yeah. itching to talk about. <laughs> for the listener. For the record, <laughs> I was just itching my body. <laughs> okay, when we come back, we will have more. You talking U2 to me with Scott and Scott. Uh, Sam, you gotta turn up that music. You gotta. You gotta. Um... People want to hear it. All right. This is from Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. When we come back, we'll have more from Doug Benson. Your heart knows when you're hiding. Your heart knows where you are. Hey, everyone. Today, You Talking You Too to Me is sponsored by our good friends over at Bonobos. That's right. I know them. I love them. I wear them. And if you don't already, you are going to love them. I wear their shorts. I wear their shoes. I wear, you guessed it, their sweaters. I did a complete run through on their website. What does that mean? I know those words don't make sense in this context, but what I mean to say is <laughs> I went through their website. I looked at every piece of clothing. I got whatever I wanted and it felt good. Bonobos, what is it? It's a men's apparel brand that has an amazing line. Everything from washed chinos, denim, sweaters, casual shirts, to suits, dress shirts, blazers, any style you want, Bonobos has got them. And they have free shipping both ways and a stellar service uh, of the customers. (laughs) A better way to say that would be customer service. But they have stellar service of the customers. And it makes shopping stress-free and fun. And when is the last time that that has happened? So if you want to know what Bonobo's products I'm looking at, okay, you got the Summerweight Chinos, Summerweight Slim Fit Turquoise Plaid, Summerweight Chinos, they come in three cuts, straight, slim, and boot, and the shirts come in two cuts, standard and slim. So whatever your fit If you're standard or you're slim, they have got it. Go to bonobos.com. That's, first of all, Bono, B-O-N-O, and then B-O-S.com for better fitting men's clothes. And if you want to try before you buy, schedule a complimentary appointment with a Bonobos personal shopper at one of their stores, which they call guide shops. They will help you find exactly what you need. So look, go to bonobos.com. And on top of everything else, you get a special deal. Use the code EDGE, EDGE, like the guitar player of U2, and you get 20% off your first purchase. So log on to bonobos.com to start shopping. And remember, you can't spell bonobos without Bono. Ah, yes, U2 music. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. Welcome back to You Talking You Two to Me. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And we are listening to a selection from Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. Rise above. That's Bono. Um, <laughs> in case you're wondering, by the way, Bono, lead singer of U2. 
Have Everybody we- in that show just lip synced uh, to uh, Bono's recordings. Did they really? No. <laughs> no. Okay. You got me. I've been punked by the best. Of <laughs> um, we're here with, of course, Doug Benson, um, very funny comedian in his own right. <laughs> Uh, so, so you guys went to see you two together twice. You went mm-hmm. to, if I'm not mistaken, first you went to the Elevation Tour together. You are mistaken, my good man. Then you went to Zoo TV together. You are mistaken, my good man. Because you didn't see the Vertigo Tour. You are correct about that, my good man. So what? You saw. You have not even said one of the Pop two Mart shows together. Yeah. Pop Mart. That's, that's right. right. When they rode and out in that big lemon, and then three sixty together. Yes. yes. Yeah. So Doug, three sixty was kind of a reunion for the concert buddies. It really was. That was the first concert like, we'd been to in a long time. Yeah. And then we yeah. haven't gone since because it was such a horrible experience. And I was reminded of your predilection to leave before the end. Oh, really? To beat the parking? It yeah. was so far. It was the weirdest. The parking out there at the Rose Bowl is like you walk you walk through people's yards and stuff. Yeah, it was a little it's strange. It's really weird. What was weird, I, re- I remember this, I don't know if you remember, but I have a pretty good sense of direction uh, in that kind of situation to find parking. Like, I'm always pretty good about, mm. it's a weird brag. Yeah. And we couldn't find it that night? No, no, that I, it was so far away, but I just like, we were kind of running uh-huh. to it. And I just like a homing beacon just found the car right away in in a huge sea and mess of them. And you were like, yeah, how did you find there that? Yeah, there weren't no lights. spots or no, no nothing lights delineated. It's just this weird, like you're, everyone, we were all parked on like on a golf course or something. Yeah, yeah, it was so strange. And yeah. did you get home? In a, were you on the 134 uh, pretty quickly? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I remember the Black Eyed Peas pl- started to play. I, I didn't realize we were there so early, and they were watched like a song, and, and then Slash came out, and I was like, and, and I think I went like left and went to look at T-shirts or something because it was so man, depressing. those T-shirts, I gotta say, I know what great way, T-shirts. I didn't get one. When the fuck do we get our T-shirts? Some fucking T-shirts. We've Doug. We've been talking about this since episode two. Yeah. Bono, fucking hook us up with yeah, some just t-shirts. Some shirts. So, shirts. You know, How you, hard is that? T-shirts. Some people, he drops shirts in Africa all the time. Yes. T-shirts. Boxes full of not them. Not shirts, shirts. Not like t-shirts. that weird Hawaiian shirt you were wearing last episode. No. Okay. T-shirts. T-shirts. Some people have alerted me to this, by the way, Adam. Yeah. You have more fucking Twitter followers than you two the band does. I do? Yes. They should be fucking begging us. By the way, you know where I got that shirt? Where? It's from a place that I first heard of from you. What? Tommy Bahamas? No. <laughs> On your show. It's one of your sponsors. Oh, who? Bonobos? Yeah. Oh, that's a great t-shirt. A, that's a great shirt. That's a great company. It's a, yeah. They sponsor this show. I, and this so, show? Yeah, this show. Yeah. Oh, they do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't get it for free. Well, they should give you, hey, Bonobos, fucking hook me some fucking t-shirts, <laughs> bro. <laughs> give him some t-shirts. Come on. Um, by the way, you cannot spell bonobos without Bono. Or bobos. Mm-hmm. Or blee blobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what did you – Doug, what did you think of Pop Mart? Great question, Scott. I like I, – you know, I like seeing the – I like seeing you two. I think that, you know – e- you. Even though I wasn't like – 
I didn't love the uh, 360 show. I, I like the, the Pop Mart seemed strangely more intimate. Like the 360 one just really felt like just this massive thing in the middle of the. Yeah. Well, you do know, you remember why? Especially we felt that. I don't know if you remember that. Why? Because we were behind them. Oh, that's right. You oh, guys yeah. Are sh- real we were the seats. 359 out of 360. We were directly behind them. But even so, just it, from any vantage point, it just seemed like the stage was way too big for like four guys to be, you know, just playing their instruments and, you know, doing kind of a regular show. Was there fireworks at the end? Uh, I don't know. Scott? I I thought it was from where I was. It's not like I had insane seats you weren't we, front row center we were not no and we were not behind either we were kind of up and to the left but oh you're on the over by the grassy knoll yeah <laughs> it was sort i thought the big the giant object in the middle and how the kind of screens My came bit. down on all sides i thought it made it feel strangely just because it was so huge yeah that of, made it a little better for sure but that's kind of frustrates me when you that you know you go to these arena shows and it's like it's you're just watching the screens you know and you're not watching the actual yeah that's people. why i prefer arena shows to stadiums i think stadiums are like yeah, way too I big mean, yeah stadiums are too big arena, this was arenas are just right the the whole Bear family can agree that arenas are just right. Yeah. So my my main problem with this tour was they they advertised it as three sixty. Hey, there's yeah. no bad seat. And then when we got to it, Doug, we were directly behind them, and once per song, one person out of you two would turn around for one measure yeah. and shake his butt a little bit yeah, and then turn little, right back shake around. Shake his little fanny. I <laughs> a little juice. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the English fanny yeah. where he's shaking his vagina. Yeah. I'm talking about <laughs> his little butt. You know, so, yeah. And you're, and you're sitting on benches too, right? It wasn't yeah, like the yeah. most comfortable seating. And, the, and by the way, the Rose Bowl was built when people were skinnier. Yeah, so, so people are jammed together very tightly. Jammed together. I. I just wonder why they – because it was such a massive – even though I thought it was cool and I actually thought the design of the thing was cool and the, it was a good show, I was also like, this is so huge. Why are they doing this? Why not – because it's clearly not as great an experience for the audience as those as arena the elevation, shows. As the elevation there's, there's It just isn't. They just want to – Play to as many people as possible. That's my psychology. That's what I think their psychology is: is they every single time want to do something bigger and be the biggest that has ever occurred. Yeah, you know, and it was the biggest grossing tour of all time. Yeah, so great they did that. Does anyone recall it with fondness? I don't know. I do. I mean, I thought it was a good show, but it's not even close to. One of the best shows I've seen by them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that lack of intimacy makes you feel, it makes you feel, la- makes your connection to the band feel less special. Yeah, that's I all didn't it feel really close does. to the band. And I, and I think that's when Scott and I really, uh, became, you know, kind of drifted apart. Yeah. I really yeah, think it was I that. I think it was the end of, of us being friends. Because you're the Edge and Bono of concert going buddies. <laughs> <laughs> So um, in general, uh, just you two, what are your feelings on the band? Oh, I, li- I like them. Uh, I, I like I like a lot of their uh, a lot of their songs, and um, you know, I, I'm not like an owner of their albums, but uh, you do not own any of their records. Uh-uh. 
Not even one? So. No. Can you talk about your possessions? Like what – give us a sense of what you do own so we can know. And not, I'm not just talking CDs. <laughs> no, just items. I got a just lot so of, we know I how weird lot, it is. I got is. a lot yeah. of VHS tapes sitting around. Okay. Do you have any YouTube VHS uh, cassettes? Great no, question. Thank I you. don't. I don't think. Do you own your apartment? Own my apartment? Or are you a renter? <laughs> I pay rent. I'm renting to own. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just, I'm just going to say this, that the apartment then is does not count as one of your possessions. Does but not. one second, Scott, the money you pay as rent does count as one of your possessions. Take Until you Take give it, it over to the new owner of that, in which case it is transferred over and is now their sole possession. Go, Scott. So you have – from what I hear, a lot of VHS tapes. How about a car? Do you own a car? Are you going to talk you two to me? <laughs> I don't have a car. I had a I had a uh, weird uh, head-on collision last November, and I'm uh, what? And I'm living the uh, Paul F. Tompkins lifestyle. What happened? Of not having a car in Los Angeles. How do you get around? Uh, Uber. Get and, around. Uh, <laughs> Uber. Get around. Uber and walking and cabs and, and an occasional rental car if I have a lot of heavy driving to do. Can you talk about it? What do you mean? The accident? Yeah, it happened. Guy, uh, I was driving up La Cienega, and a dude like just uh, drifted over into a head-on situation. Jesus, what do you feel scary. in that situation? It was it, it was bullshit because I'm just like fuck. Nothing, nothing, nothing I could do. Can't, you couldn't swerve. Can't into turn his in any lane? direction. I could stop, but he's coming at me. Was he on his phone? No, he was just like he kind of looked like he was, um, you know, just out of it, you know. And then the whole time. Uh, he eventually went into an ambulance, but like the whole time, the cops basically treated it like, "Oh, this guy." I thought he was like drunk or on pills or something, but they they just treated him like he was just a very uh, doddering individual. Hmm. And, uh, and they did no sort of test on him. Not there in front of me, no. And uh, and I never heard anything back about like what he was on or anything. How would you have felt if it was just pot? If he was on pot and did that, uh-huh. <laughs> that would be ironic, I think, right? <laughs> I still don't know that. Alanis Morissette song really confused me about irony. But, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was very strange. And, you know, the airbags deployed in both of our cars. And oh, it's so scary. How did, did – was it totally head-on? Like, yeah, like just direct, straight on, yeah. And how fast were either of you going? Do you know? I don't know. I mean, I, I was pretty – I you know, I guess I was probably at a stop because I noticed him in enough time to at least stop. And oh, so then, you were stopped, okay? Yeah, but he was probably going like thirty-five or Jesus. something. Jesus! And what do you, what goes through your mind? Just, just like what is? I couldn't believe it. Just you know, it starts to really slow down, and like, mm-hmm. is this really ha- happening right now? And then the airbags is just a sudden burst, and uh, I was kind of like surprised that it didn't like hurt, mm. you know. But it does. There is this uh, powder that comes out of it that just stinks, mm. and both the bags on both sides popped out. It stinks like yum or gross. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> does people it, say that stinks does, about yeah, something that's does yummy. Does it yeah. stink like cum? Yeah, <laughs> or it, does it stink like shit? <laughs> oh, that's why cum rhymes with yum. I get it. Uh, yum, cum. <laughs> uh, it's just yeah, it's just like a a nasty smell that's not you know created anywhere in nature, you know. Like, mm-hmm. and, uh, no. um, but yeah, it stink stinks more than more. It's stinky more than yummy. So how is your health and how? 
I've been fine ever since. I mean, I, I don't think I got hurt at all, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's the thing about car accidents. So is like a back thing could like creep up on you, mm-hmm. you know, months or a year later. Was he like, I'm so sorry. Or was he just, no, no, he just was out of it. Like oh, so it he was, was bizarre to up. me that he wasn't, they weren't arresting him. Yeah. Right. It was very strange. Maybe they did later. You just don't know. Is there litigation? No, they didn't. There's nothing. There's a, his his insurance is like willing to pay, but also my car was super old, but like it was a, a Nissan that ran really well despite me having it for a long time, and I just loved it. I don't like buying a car. I don't like the process. Yeah. So when this happened, the airbags being deployed. Putting in new airbags would cost more than the value of the car. Wow. You know what I think it's time for, <laughs> Scott? I think What's it's that? time for an episode of What's Your Deductible, Bro? Yep. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> hey, this is Scott. And this is Scott. And we're here in an episode of What's Your Deductible, Bro? And we have a special guest with us today. This is Doug Benson. Hey, Doug. Hey, comedian extraordinaire. Oh, How's it thanks. going? Doug, we hear in you had an accident. Right. Yeah. yeah, I was in an accident. Do you want to describe it at all? Uh, you know, it was a head-on collision. Oh, La, La Cienega. What goes through your mind? I was like, La Cienega, does that mean the Cienega? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm always working on yeah. new bits that are old. All right, cut the shit. We have to ask this right now. Let's do it. What's, What's your, your deductible, deductible, bro? <laughs> did you say deductible? Yeah, I did. All I right. did because that's the way I say. It. We, hey, hold on, Doug. How long have we been fucking doing this podcast? Seventeen years. Why don't you know the fucking name of the podcast? I do know the name. I just like to say it my own way. I don't know how many you times I'm going to say it. it. One time, I say deductible my own fucking way. Oh my god, you are fucking. Hey, love you. I love you. Hey, Doug. Yes, yes. Gotta ask. Okay. What's, What's your de- deduct- deductible, oh, bro? Fuck. What? I love you. Love you too. Um, I hate to put you guys out like this, and you have a whole show and everything, and I'm the guest, but I don't, I don't know what it, I, I'm not sure what it was. And that's been what's your deductible, deductible bro? <laughs> Great app. That was pretty good. One of the better ones. We only fought twice. But I feel like the fights themselves were worth it because we got to a new place. I think the end of the, the yeah. latter half was the latter, latter chunk. Just smoking. Way better than the first yeah. chunk. So good. Um, Makeup sex. <laughs> have you ever been in a car accident while there's a U2 song playing in the other car that hits you? I I could only imagine that that's probably almost every time because the music's so amazing that people lose track of what they're doing and, and crash into me. Yep. Crash into me. Crash. Has your car ever been crashed into? Are you Dave Matthewsing to me? <laughs> Has your car ever been crashed into by the U2 Vertigo plane? All right. I thought this was a serious <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have to, we do have to take a break. Speaking of serious things, we have I came to take here a break. To talk about a <laughs> Broadway musical. Yeah, we're getting to it. <laughs> okay, it's, it's almost like you've never heard this show. It's kind of like I have it. It feels like I'm hearing it right now as I do it. <laughs> Look, we'll get to the band member member names. Oh yeah, well we already talked about member one. names. Then we wrap it up and say goodnight. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we're going to talk exclusively about Spider-Man. Turn off the dark. This is You Talking You 2 to Me with Doug Benson, Scott and Scott. Coming at you. It's a- 
Hey, everyone. We have a new sponsor for you talking you two to me, and we have someone new reading the ads. Who's this? Hey. <laughs> hey, bro. Hey, bros. Hi, bros. Um, fracture. I can hear you out there going, what? What does that mean, fracture? Is that what, what is that? It could be anything. Well, guess what? It's a company. And it's a good company, and they're sponsoring the show. Let me tell you about it. Fracture, what it is, is a company, well-established at this point, but what do they do? Okay, get this. They print photos. I can hear you right now going, who cares? Right. Everyone prints photos. Yeah, you can do it at home. Hey, hey, why should I care if this isn't Kodak? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly, Scott. But no, you didn't let me finish my sentence. Oh, sorry. Idiot. Sorry. They print photos directly onto glass. Onto what? Glass. And if you know glass, grass or ass, no one rides for free, it's an important part of that trilogy. It prints photos directly onto glass, which sounds impossible, right? But not only is it possible, but it looks incredible. Huh. Have you ever seen a photo printed onto glass, Adam? Never. Well, you're going to see one now because I'm getting a fracture of your face and I'm putting it up in my new house. How's that oh, sound? That sounds great. How big is it going to be? It's about probably about two stories high. I can't wait to see that because I love my face. (laughs) I'm going to sit on it every day. Dude. (laughs) Okay, let me tell you about these fractures. It comes on a solid backing that's ready to mount right out of the package. All right? All All you got to do is stick a screw in the wall, hang it up, and they even throw in a screw. Can you believe that? You get a free screw? You get a free screw with this fracture. Sign me up. Yes, sir. You know what I mean. Meaning sign you up to actually get one of these fracture paintings, yeah. portraits. Yeah. Um, it's affordable, too, with, listen to this, prices starting at $12 oh for their s- small square size. I spend $12 on three cups of coffee. I Hey, I spent $12 on one cup of coffee, Scott. You did? Where? I was in expensive land. (laughs) Well, you know what? Fracture does not reside within expensive land because it is super affordable. They're all hand-assembled, and they're checked for quality by their small team in Gainesville, Florida. So if you need another reason to buy one besides them being our sponsors, you can also get – listen to this deal, Adam. Okay. 20% off with the code U2. Wow. That's one-fifth of the price. Just by typing in U2. Wow. That's a great, great deal. That's amazing. And let me tell you, they sent me one of these, and it is beautiful. What's the photo of? It's a photo of my dog's b-hole. And it's beautiful? (laughs) If you like my dog. I do. I like your dog and his b-hole. On glass. So just go to fracture.me. To check it out online, and be sure to get 20% off with our offer code U2. And how can you remember that offer code? Because it's the name of the band that Bono is in. Oh, the the rock band U2. The rock band U2, yes. Go to Fracture.me, 20% off, offer code U2. Any parting words? I can't wait to get one of these things. Say it now. Say it now. Ah, 
yes, you too. Explain to me this is why this happens every time. The classic U2 sound. Any kind of sound. <laughs> From Spider-Man. Hey, Spidey. For fuck's sake, turn off the dark. Spider-Man. You wait. I won't. She won't. The kids, kids love this part. I don't. Is that Bono singing? <laughs> of course. Oh, no, that is the kid. This is Bono. No, no, wait, wait. That's not Bono. But he Here she is. <laughs> ah. Um, we're here, Scott and Scott, talking to Doug Benson about Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Yeah. Let's give a little background. Yeah. All right. What is Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark? A lot of people don't even know that. Really? Probably. Well, it was a Broadway show Hmm. that just closed, apparently, just in the last couple months. January 4th, 2014. It closed January 4th. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. It was, you and I just read a book about the conception and making of this musical. Read by Glenn about Berger. the lovemaking that led to this musical. <laughs> Written by, yeah, Glenn Berger, who is the book writer, which if you yeah. don't know what music, in musical theater what that is, is there are two components to a musical. The lines that people say, not spoken, or like no, if someone I mean, walks not sung. Out, if someone walks out on stage and they're like, I would like to go to the store today. That's the sure. book writer. Book writer. Meanwhile, if a person comes out on stage and goes, I would like to go to the store today, that is the person who wrote the music. Yes. And lyrics. Both of these people are very talented in this case. Yes. Thank you. Now, the music and lyrics, sometimes those are written by two different people. Mm-hmm. Rodgers and Hammerstein, two different people. Mm-hmm. Oscar Hammerstein wrote the music. Richard Rodgers wrote the lyrics. John and Rice Elton John and Tim Rice, isn't that? Sure. Sure, yes. yes. I thought you were just talking about your two favorite things, the bathroom. Going to the John and eating rice. <laughs> Lerner and Lowe. Okay. Something in Camden. Mm-hmm. Uh, green. Camden and Green, yeah. Um, but in this case- Lots of great teams. Neil and Simon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how about William and Shakespeare? Uh, oh, hey, how about two, that? Like, those, they wrote the best musicals. Um, but in this case, Bono and the Edge did both, according to them. They mm-hmm. both wrote the music and they both wrote the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Is that true? We'll never know. Yeah, I'm sure somebody took a break here and there. The book of the official Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark is by Julie Tamer, Glenn Berger, who wrote this book that we mm-hmm. – we keep saying book, not to confuse you, but he wrote a manuscript about about yeah. his experiences – yeah, and he wrote it, the book of the show. Yeah, he wrote. I read it as an e-book. Sure, I read it as a physical book. Yes, and that's why we're different. Yeah, I live in the twenty-first century, uh, <laughs> and I live in the twenty-second. <laughs> when computers do not exist, they have overtaken humanity, so we destroyed them. Um, and also, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, who oh, yeah. is a good comic book writer who we'll talk about him when it comes time. But, okay, so it is a musical. Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark was a musical that um, opened on Broadway. It's about the comic book character Spider-Man and his quest to turn off the dark. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't – there's no – there's nothing about turning on or off the dark in the no, whole show. No. Do you know what the reference is to? 
Uh, no. Who's, whose son was it? Edges? Or No, I think it was a family friend of Neil Jordan's. Oh, okay, yeah. Said that's his kid used to, or maybe it was a family friend of Bono or the Edge. Or some stupid kid. When he wanted it to be daylight, he'd say, turn off the dark. Or when he was scared of the dark, he he'd would say, say turn, turn it off. off the dark, yeah. turn off the dark. And they thought that was so cute that they'd name this multi-million dollar yeah. endeavor upon it yeah. and never talk about why. All right, so let's give a little background of the musical. It could have just been called Spider-Man the Musical. Yes. It could have, yeah, and maybe would have been more popular. Now, Doug, you've seen this musical. Adam, you have also seen it. I have not. You and I have read this book, so we are very yes. uniquely qualified to talk about how We're this, experts. <laughs> how this came about. Yeah. Doug, you don't know really much about the creation of this musical. You just saw it, right? Yeah. Okay, so can, if, you, if you don't mind, I we don't can talk, mind talk a little bit about yeah. how it came to be. Um, Marvel, who create, or controls the, the rights to Spider-Man. Yes. Except in the movies where Sony does. Yeah. You ever wanted to be in one of those, those uh, superhero movies? Never. Adam? Your good Never. friend Paul Rudd, he's uh, Ant-Man. Yeah. You, you do not want to be in one? Never. Even if they offered ne- one to you? Never. 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 Even if they said, you know what, Adam, quite frankly, you're the perfect Batman. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I in that case, yeah. Yeah, sure, I, I've always wanted to. Mm-hmm. In that case. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so a little bit about the background. Bono and the Edge are sitting around. They write 16 songs one day, and they go, you know what? I think these songs are about Spider-Man. <laughs> and Edge is like, I think you're right. And then they go, wait, who's that at the door? And it's Julie Taymor. And she's like, hey, guys, I brought those pizzas over. And they're like, Julie Taymor, you do Broadway shows. We just wrote 16 songs about Spider-Man that we were just considering. You know, we had such a good time writing about Batman. Yeah. For hold me, thrill me, <laughs> swallow me, <laughs> bill me. And then and then so the, a musical Kilmer. was born. Musical was born. No, we're being facetious. We're punking you. We're audibly yeah. punking you right now. That's not how it happened. But what is interesting is I assume when I hear it's a $65 million musical with lyrics by Bono and the Edge, are Bono and the Edge qualified to write music for a musical? Right. No. Why are they brought in? Because they're Bono and the Edge and they'll sell tickets. Yeah. When you sink that much money into something – Bono and the Edge are going to cost a lot of money, yeah. but apparently they're supposed to sell a lot well, of tickets. Well, originally it was, it was Neil Jordan who brought them in. Yeah, so what happened was Marvel goes to someone and gives him the rights to go shop around yeah. uh, this producer who yeah. I can't remember Tony his name. Adams. Tony Adams, okay. So they go to this producer. They go, go ahead and make a Spider-Man musical. He is friends with Neil Jordan, who is a movie director from Ireland. Yes, he says, do you want to direct this? He says, yes. Why don't – or no, do you want to write it? Sorry. Yes. Do you want to write the book? He says, yes. Why don't I get my friends and you too to write the music? He calls them up within 15 minutes, I think, and goes, hey, do you want to write the music for this Broadway musical yeah. about Spider-Man? They say yes immediately. And then – they know Julie Taymor. Is that what it was? Somehow. Somehow they okay. – But it, it, what I had assumed was that all of these weirdly disparate individuals were yeah. brought in in order to hedge the bet of how much this was going to cost. Yeah. Like, okay, well, 
we can't just put up a Spider-Man musical and have it be Joe Schmo yeah. writing the lyrics and whoever we need, directing it. We need Broadway, yeah. you know, superstars writing the music and lyrics and Broadway's biggest director. Yeah. But no, it apparently was just kind of organic. They all sort of knew each other and right. all said, okay, yeah, sure, we'll do it. But what he wasn't saying in the in the book, probably because he just doesn't have the knowledge of the ins and outs of all this, is that- Like fucking ins and outs. Just that, just that- they were probably all offered so much money to do this thing. I mean, sure. it, I mean it wasn't it was like, just because. It wasn't Neil Jordan calling up his friends at the pub and going, hey, do you want to write Spider-Man yeah. for free? It was yeah. like, hey, do you want to be paid 20 of the $65 million right. to do this? I mean, I'm sure they and Julie Taymor both. I mean, the the money must have been huge. But I think they, I think reading the book, I think they did a lot of back end. Like, yeah. I, I don't know that they got a lot up front. In yeah. fact, Julie Taymor had to sue for her yeah. portion of the proceeds yeah. so I don't know that they got a lot of up front anyway in any case Neil Jordan quits right away right no he got fired oh he got fired oh that's right because he writes something like incomprehensible and yeah. they and they read Julie Tamor reads it and she was brought in by Neil Jordan yeah she reads it and it doesn't make any sense I heard it was just like crying game too it, it the, no there was a lot of like spider sexual fucking. stuff yeah, <laughs> yeah there was yeah. And she read it and said, and by her standards, by the way, if you read the book, her kind of little loopy ideas of yeah. what make a good musical, by her standards, it's crazy. And she says, I, he brought me in, but I got to fire this guy. I don't remember what it was that – but everyone kind of agreed other than Bono and the Edge. And Bono and the Edge were kind of pissed off when he got fired. Because he, he's he friends with them. them in, yeah. Yeah. So they had to be kind of talked – into sticking around and sticking mm -hmm. with it. Because they were like, we got to fire Neil Jordan. And all he did was write a, like, couple, like, didn't he just write? It was just a couple pages. Yeah, just a couple of pages, but they were nutty. So, <laughs> But then they needed a book writer to write it with Julie Taymor. Right, so Julie Taymor is brought in, and she wants someone to write the book with her. By the way, can we talk about why she wants to do it? Because I think it's so nuts. I don't remember. She gets involved because they Marvel sends her a bunch of Spider-Man material. Right. Sends her, and I'm going to get slightly nerdy on this, but sends her an issue of Ultimate Spider-Man num number one, which is Brian Michael Bendis, who's now a famous comic writer. Uh, it was his reimagining of the Spider-Man origin. And in that particular issue, someone is talking about Arachne, which is this Greek, am I right? Mm -hmm. Greek uh, goddess you, of goddess, some sort. Yeah, of spider, who gets turned into a spider. This is the part of a comic book where someone is talking about this before he becomes Spider-Man in order to sort of foreshadow and sort of to, to sound smart yeah. about, about it. But really- It's not part of the- Story, not really. part of the mythos yeah. of Spider-Man. Just in there because the writer is like, "Hey, here's some facts about Spider-Man." Yeah. It's just foreshadowing. She starts saying, "This is what the musical should be about." Yeah. Instead of doing Spider-Man, let me do Spider-Man, but all about Arachne, this yeah. Greek goddess. Yeah. Wow, you got really yeah. quiet there. <laughs> My voice stopped working. <laughs> So she, I think, and I think in in an effort to like, I can't turn down all this money and how huge it'll yeah. be, but this is how it will seem smart. 
And exotic and strange and cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've got a rock and roll score from you know mm-hmm. rock musicians, so yeah. that'll make it edgy. So, the, and no pun intended. I bet. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. Because no if pun. you bring that kind of shit no in here, yeah, all right. So she gets involved, but she she comes up with this story where basically Spider Man faces off against this Greek goddess who wants to have sort of have sex with him. Yeah. Um, but and also kill him and kill him. In fact, there's a and this song, is Spider Man, which is supposed to be going a, to be a family musical. Yeah, yeah. and and it comes up with this song. As a matter of fact, that Bono and the Edge, I believe, wrote called uh, "Love Me or Kill Me" or something like that. So, I don't know. Kiss me, kill me, <laughs> Kilmer. Um, so, in any case, we're giving you a lot of background on this. But what happens is. They bring in this guy off the streets who'd, who'd written a semi-successful but not really all that well-known musical or, or a, a play. And he also was a PBS writer. He wrote Yeah, it seems like she – that's what I could never figure out is just how he got the job. I mean I'm, I'm sure he's – He's very good and had done a lot of work, but he it doesn't it seems like it's Julie Taymor, Bono and the Edge, and then for the book writer, they get Glenn Berger, yeah. who's you know, I'm they sure. They may as well great. have just said some dude on yeah. the poster. I, I wonder if it seemed like maybe she just wanted someone that could just kind of facilitate her vision. Yeah, roll over. Right. And, and he says that he wrote a scene to get the job. And the scene that he wrote, I don't know, Doug, if you saw this scene in the thing, because I think it stayed in every version, was he wrote a scene where the Green Goblin uh, is playing piano on yeah. top of the Chrysler building and then gets killed because he's webbed up to the piano and – the Green Goblin pushes the piano off the Chrysler building without realizing that he's webbed to it and falls to his death. And that scene, Julie Taymor decided was really great. And so he got hired from that, basically. Yeah. That's all he wrote in order to get the job. And he was as surprised as anyone yes. to get the job. Yes. Yeah, what happened was it was in previews for so long with Julie Taymor's vision of this arachne who's the, who's the major villain. The Green Goblin who is the villain in yeah. all of the Spider-Man movies, dies at the end of Act 1, yeah. which is insanity. Yeah. Your your major villain dies at the end of Act yeah. 1. Uh, what is Act 2 going to be about? Well, it's going to be about... Let me uh, let me ex- Arachne, yeah, let of me, course. Let me read just a little bit of the summary of what happens in Act 2. The Geek Chorus, which is... A group of people that Julie Taymor invented. Of it's ridiculous. It's like four kids, people to, pretending to be teenagers, who sing about what's happening, but they recap as they go along. Like they sing about what's uh, what you've already seen. Like what kind mm-hmm. of Broadway musical yeah. has you see stuff happen, and, and then, then and then we sing about what ha- what happened previously for a little while instead of moving the story forward. But they're also dressed. Weird. They're really, yeah. They all have really crazy outfits, and, like, and they're like talking in slang that they invented for the show. Yeah, it's like it's so yeah, not by real the way, slang. can I can I tell you what their names are? The yes. Geek Chorus (parentheses) Miss Arrow, Jimmy Six, Professor Cowbell, and Grim Hunter. <laughs> Professor, Professor Cowbell. Cowbell. He's just sitting there watching an old uh, SNL with Chris Walken. <laughs> and went, okay, Professor Cowbell. By the way, Spider-Man fans universally loathe 
this musical. Oh yeah. yeah well, they, lo- they of course they're going to loathe the idea of it to begin with, and then sure. just piling on all these things, Lion King and U two, and all these like things that have nothing mm-hmm. to do with Spider Man. Yeah. Uh, they open it in previews. Now, if you don't know what previews are, they're normally they go for a couple of weeks in order to work out kinks. People pl- people pay a slightly reduced rate. But they're hoping to see pretty much what the show is going to be. But they they go knowing that is it's, it slightly reduced? It is slightly. Reduced. It's a little bit, yeah. yeah. It's a little cheaper, but it's still like you know, it's still Broadway's super expensive. Bucks. And that was when that gold circle seating had just started everywhere because of the producers yeah. and stuff. So mm-hmm. like there was like, you know, two hundred dollar seats for yeah. this show in previews where. Uh, go on. Worked. But it's usually supposed to be just a couple of weeks. Then they've worked out the kinks. They have a big opening night. They keep postponing opening night because things will happen like Spider-Man will be sitting there hung from the rafters, unable to get down for a half an hour at a yeah. time. Um, the show will just stop um, for long periods of time and people will – because there are safety pr- things happening where the where the person will realize someone is going to get crushed to death. Yeah. And they'll say, stop everything over the mic. <laughs> and people <laughs> people are booing and hissing. Yeah. They hate this show. Um, it goes on for previews for eight months. And in that eight months, the guy who uh, – writes this book and Bono and The Edge and the producers are all saying, this show sucks. Yeah. But they all get the idea, you know what would make it better? And a stagehand has to tell them this, by the way. did you? Isn't that yes. a really interesting part? Is that- The stage manager, I think. The sta- yeah. Someone says to the Glenn Berger, the writer of the book, they, they go, hey, you know, the stage manager, he gets paid to go, like he watches all these shows. He comes up with good ideas of how to fix them. He's, he has some ideas. Why don't you go listen to him? That's one of the weirdest things yeah. I've ever heard. This guy's a professional writer, but hey, good ideas come from anywhere. This is, the, the guy goes, hey, this show would be way better if the Green Goblin fight was at the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one has thought of this. Yeah. But they're, they, they worry about pissing off Julie Taymor because she the only reason she wanted to do this show is because of Arachne. And so no one fucking says anything to her. But everyone has these secret meetings, including Bono, The Edge, everyone, yeah. where they they all have a plan. They go, they call it Plan X. Yeah, where they know they have to tell Julie Taymor this. Like get rid of Arachne. Get rid of the geek chorus. Get rid of them. Make it just a simple story about the Green Goblin becoming the Green Goblin. Put the fight at the end. The most exciting part of the show. Put it at the end of the show. You and get rid of all this weird arty stuff. And finally they do, and she quits the show. Yeah. And she says, you can't do this. You can't change my masterpiece. Quits the show. Yeah. They make these changes to where it kind of makes sense. If it, I'm not going to go into it here, but version 2.0, as they call it, um, it makes more technical sense. Uh-huh. And it's able to run for another couple of years. They spend $65 million on it. It never makes the money back. It never made the money back. No, it did not make the wow. money back. The investors, I think, are really pissed. They are The reason they're moving it to Las Vegas is because they say, we're eventually going to make the money back. I'm sure they will Yeah, they'll Las just Vegas. do a bunch of stuff with it. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll do tours and stuff, probably. Right. But in, also, the, kids aren't, gonna, aren't that discerning about it. Like, the music yeah. is fine, and the uh, Spider-Man flies around. But it was cracking me up that there was all these injuries with the flying Spider-Mans, 
And uh, and like right across the street, Mary Poppins was flying around every night with no problem. Right. Well, they were they were probably doing <laughs> right. the is it the Foy system, the flying Foy's uh, the uh, old the typical yeah. like they've been doing it since the twenties where like stagehands pull ropes. Yeah, all of this stuff was uh, mechanized and on computers. And the problem is with those is if anything is wrong. This computer is going to fly that Spider-Man yeah. into a brick wall, yeah. regardless mm-hmm. of whether the wall is there or not. Yeah. And if there's some fuck up, it takes hours to reprogram everything mm-hmm. because then the entire show is fucked and backed up. And also with the airy, with the guys flying around, the the people they hired are used to working in movies where you just have to grab a few seconds, if that, of a particular stunt. And so these guys were like. I've never thought about, like, the rest of it. Like, the fact that this stunt has to finish somewhere and the Mm -hmm. audience will be watching the whole thing. Like, we have to consider... So the, it was a completely it was completely new ground for a live show. People are breaking both of their ankles when they land. That a dude happened. fell and broke vertebrae in his back. Oh. The the woman playing Arachne uh, was replaced. She never ended up actually opening the show because um, she was standing underneath. Uh, and a carabiner like fell on her head. Yeah. On like the first preview night, yeah. gave her a concussion, and she, in my opinion, she saw this as like, hey, it's time to get out. Yeah. I think Julie Taymor knew the show was really fucked up. I don't think like by the time she left, she thought it was some great masterpiece at all. I think she was. It seemed like she knew it was all screwed up and mm-hmm. not the greatest show in the world. Well, that it's it's an interesting thing that I wanted to talk about is just like what the process of writing this musical is because we're here, of course, to talk about you too, and we've barely talked about them involved in this. And the book gives a lot of like inside info about yeah. it, but um, musically, what do you think? You went to see it because you're a huge YouTube, YouTube yeah, fan. and I was just curious because of all the at the time it was just a big joke like you know but i also thought well i'm sure there's some like kitsch value to going and seeing it and if it's really bad i'm sure that'll be super fun too to just see a big bad spectacle but it ended for me at least i i just thought it was boring and we laughed at intermission but i do remember thinking the music sounded like shit and reading the book it realized they had this big, expensive, brand new sound system, but they built sets in front of it. They had to, they, <laughs> they in order to get everyone swinging around, they yeah. had to build stuff in front of it. So the the sound was incredibly muddy and they, they didn't get it right until the real opening. So when they opened back up, they just brought in new speakers and put them in front of the stage. <laughs> right. Like it's all so screwed up. So what do you think about like I, I, I listening that, to the music now? Yeah, I thought when I saw the show, I remember being really disappointed in the music. I didn't think it was particularly I'm good. I'm going to play a little just bit boring. of this instrument. Yeah, but you know, the songs are ex- exciting, really. It, listening to it today, there are a few songs that I think are pretty good, and Steve Lillywhite produced the rec- the album. Mm-hmm. Like, this to me sounds good. It sounds like a pretty good U2 song, but... This sounds <laughs> like a combination... This is, by the way, I thought it was the... Uh, 
overture, but it's actually hap- I was reading it happens in the middle of the show. But that part of their song that gets a like a uh, like a little uh, a, I think it was like a little school bus or something goes by and it's per- forced perspective or whatever and it's tiny but it looks like it's far away and they're playing that on the radio like you can hear the beginning of that U2 song. Mm. And then it transitions into this, I think. And like people kind of laugh and clap when they hear the little Oh, interesting. Now, this doesn't this sound a little like Pride in the Name of Love? Yeah, the, it, no, the very beginning of it's just directly yeah. it. This sounds exactly like, or very close to Thrill Me, Kill Me. And then it goes into go. this, yeah. which is just kind of like... Yeah, I, I just I was really disappointed in the music, but listening to it today, I was like, there are a couple songs here that are good. It, it's just not right for a music. This wasn't a fun show. And no. Yeah, it's just like... it's And it, reading the book... It just doesn't sound like the guy. They were on tour. They were making records. They didn't have time to focus. Here's on the problem it. when you hire someone like you two and pay them a ton of money in order to hedge your bet. They are not going to focus no, on this. No they way. basically here's what they did for the musical from from this book's account. They would come into town once every three months. Yeah, give them four hours. Yeah, and they would sit in a room and jam. <laughs> And then go, here's a song. Here's here's your songs for the musical. And then they would disappear for another three hours. Yeah. Then they would like come back in and they, they basically would be there to cheerlead the musical. They would constantly be bringing people in to invest in it. Yeah. You know, like Bono would call up like, um, who was the like super conservative person that he brought to the musical? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. He brought someone super conservative just yeah. because he knew they were rich to like. R- Rupert Murdoch. Oh, yeah. He brought Rupert Murdoch to it. Brought Oprah in just yeah. to like just to be like, hey, you know, like check out this thing I'm working yeah. on. It's going to be amazing. And they kept saying to Glenn Berger, they kept saying, this has to be amazing. Yeah. And I, in my mind, I'm saying, well, why don't you stick around and make sure it's amazing? Yeah. Because people who who have written musicals throughout time, they're yeah. there all the time. You have to be obsessed yeah. with it. Like if you if you read about like say Oklahoma, Rogers and Hammerstein. They're there during previews. They realize Act One ends on a kind of down note. They go write the song Oklahoma. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and Oklahoma, OKL, and it's they're like, hey, we got, and then they put it in. It's a hit. Meanwhile, yeah. U two is off they in ha- Australia or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, hey, it could be any country. Hey, you're right. <laughs> it could be just in uh, uh, Japan. Sure. Um, Canada. I'm, I'm having trouble coming up with any other country. Uh, I Doug? can't think of any. I'm, okay, Tokyo. I'm, I'm blanking could, already. It, it could be Japan or Canada. Let's just say those. Japan. Oh, wait, Australia. I said Australia. No, um, right. Doug? Um, hmm. Um, Can you come back to me? Yeah, I'll come back to you. Okay. Scott, what do you got? Um, to, like Toronto. This is part of Canada. Uh, it's a great part of Canada. Tokyo. Well, that's wait. Tokyo. Is, yeah, is Tokyo. That, is that in Japan? Oh yeah, you're right. Brisbane. Uh, this is Australia. Uh, Melbourne. Australia. Australia. Fuck. Australia. It's hard to keep track of what places are. Doug, we're back to what you. Places are in places. Back to you. What it's do you got? Too much. Sydney. Uh, Sydney's Australia. Australia. Yeah, that's Australia. Mm-hmm. Let's go with Australia. 
Australia. Okay, fine. Australia. 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 Great. Australia. Great. Um, so yeah, but they just disappear for months and months, and then they'll they'll kind of send back songs every once in a while that yeah. like have gibberish and no lyrics, and and but will have kind of the feel of what they think. Yeah, and then people will go amazing. Bono, yeah. Edge, this is amazing. They'll go, you got to write lyrics at some point, but this is yeah. amazing. They're just not present for it. It's yeah. like you're, you're not getting your money. And the it. songs just don't feel like a musical. They're all pretty dark, kind of downer songs. Right. Which and, is makes it kind of interesting, I guess. It's yeah. unlike any other musical, but there's there's, there's not a lot of, hey, I've talked about it before, narrative. Yeah. I Do you remember this, Doug, at, early in the show for the song Bouncing Off the Walls Let's or play Crawling this. Up the Walls? The kid is in a contraption yeah. that is on the outside of his costume. It's like a thing that goes around his waist, and he is running up and going upside down. And bounce. It's the song's called "Bouncing Off the Walls." So he's bouncing off the walls of this room, and this machine is moving him around the room to make it look like he's floating around. Yeah, but he's in this like this steel it's so involved steel girder. That's and in the book they're talking about it. They're like, well, you can clearly see that he's being lifted up by this machine, and right. Julie Taymor is just like, well, the audience will just have to make that leap. Now I remember watching it, thinking there is no illusion here. We're just watching a person being hoisted around by the right. Yeah, it was so weird. It was like. Well, and every time he flies over the audience, he's like, uh, you know, he has to take a second and get really, uh, you know, yeah. uh, in the harness properly and then suddenly kind of fly. But it just sort of looks like he's hanging on to something and flying yeah. around. It doesn't it doesn't have the Spider-Man. It's not coming out of his wrist. You know, it's it's weird. It's very weird. Oh, they had they each had it's like two, two ropes coming out of their back at all times, yeah, yeah. swinging them around. It yeah. didn't look like they were flying at all. It was less, all. like, I think they've been pulling it off with Peter Pan in productions better for, yeah, you know, years and years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a strange thing that they couldn't get that and that it was... Doug, what did you think of the show? I mean, obviously you didn't like it, but you, you went I hated and- it. I watched the whole thing, though. I, I sat through the whole thing. But, like, the, the stuff with the spider lady and, like, you know, there's this... A big number, I guess, where she's like she's in the uh, up on the wall, and there's she's surrounded by all the other spiders, and they're all singing or whatever. And it's just like, I just I was just shaking my head the whole time. And it's like, there's something about like if you go to a movie or something, and you're with your friends, and it sucks, you can joke, you know, kind of joke around and stuff. But right. but there was no there was no joy in sitting there watching it be yeah. so boring and terrible. Like it was just it just felt bad that it, you know you know you bothered you know, and mm-hmm. also the whole. Thing of like wondering if someone was going to get injured was also like uh, kind of, a bummer, kind of yeah. gross, kind of gross to be sitting there thinking yeah. about that. The people, it's like people really who go hurt. see hockey trying to see a fight. Yeah, but you know, it's I don't know. It's, it's I like, felt badly for the actors because they were all great. Oh, I'm sure that they're all totally like, going for it. And a it lot was, of them came from some of Julie Taymor's projects, like uh-huh. her, her uh, movie uh, the, Across the Universe. Yeah. You know, and they're all like really good actors. The dude that who, played the Green Goblin came out pretty unscathed. Yeah, like he got he good was reviews. Good. Well, what was interesting about him was he, um, he seemed to love it. I've I've seen a lot of interviews with him <laughs> yeah, about yeah. the Green Goblin because um, one thing that maybe you guys don't know is uh, the musical episode of Comedy Bang Bang, the TV show. Uh, there is a number in it that is a direct parody of one of Spider-Man Turn Off the Darks. 
numbers from oh, the really? new version. Yeah, because they came out and sang it on Letterman, and it was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. So we would watch it in the writer's room all the time. It's this song, A Freak Like Me Needs Company. Um, just a really fucking weird song where Green Goblin comes out and talks about how New York City is all freaky and he needs company because he's a freak and he, he trots out the Sinister Six that he's created. And, and they did it on Letterman? They did it on Letterman. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. <laughs> so we shot it like they did it on Letterman. Uh-huh. And we wrote it into the show. So it's oh, cool. it's it's the freaky phantom song uh, where Tom Lennon is singing about how he's a freak. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. um, uh, in any case, it's just one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. But he he um, stuck around trying to get a Tony nomination. And he quit the show like the week yeah, after Tonys yeah. were not were announced and he didn't get one. So Makes like, sense. That's, but, but in exit interviews, which I've, I've seen a lot about because I was just fascinated with this stupid part in this stupid musical. Yeah. He talks about what a great joy it was. He would ad-lib a lot. They encouraged him to like – Oh, he did the night we saw it. He ad-libbed about – He'd like make jokes about people in the audience and stuff too, I think. He, and uh, he would ad-lib about shit. like there's a line in, in this song about like I'm a $50 million circus tragedy and then he'd – Kind of quip, more like sixty-five because everyone right. knew yeah. how expensive it was. Um, I want to talk about this, Adam, because you sent me this. But Reeve Carney, the actor who played Spider-Man, yeah. he you sent me this interview that he did, and here's a weird quote from it okay. that I think is interesting. Um, the The question is, what influence did doing the show have on your album? He says, the show definitely helped me with my work ethic. For a musician, having to show up on time every day is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, he says, but also recording with Bono was a huge influence. There's only one Bono. Watching him in the studio was one of the biggest factors in building my own studio. He'd sing into a $100 microphone and just surrender completely to the muse, to his inspiration, without worrying about the equipment. I went a bit more high-end than $100 microphones, but the idea stayed with me. Oh, yeah. And weren't we wondering, like, why, why is he singing into a $100 microphone? <laughs> why do they have $100 microphones re- in a recording studio? To make this album. Yeah, I didn't what get that. What is going that. on? Maybe he was talking about some other time or where they were in some shitty club or something. Or maybe I don't know. maybe he's watching them write these songs in the one hour that he'll give them yeah, yeah. on some shitty thing and going, here you go, here's the new yeah. Spider-Man song. I don't know what, but what's weird about that quote is we couldn't figure out why he's singing into a $100 microphone in the first place, but then for Reef Carney to be like, I went a bit more high-end yeah. than $100. It's like, yeah. <laughs> why are you trying to big-time Bono? Yeah. Um, so yeah, just a, just a weird situation. Um, yeah, not a great show, but it's, it was, it kind of took up like culturally it was a, it was a national conversation. (laughs) I'm not shouting. (laughs) So just kind of unlock the caps, (laughs) kind of an abysmal failure. C (laughs) plus. But um, they've kind of recovered from it, right? I mean, it doesn't seem like, I wonder if this has something to do with them delaying their album so much. If they're like, the last time we publicly came out with something, it was a fucking bomb. Well, they've their two last projects, No Line on the Horizon. And Spider-Man. And Spider-Man have 
you know, and they were they were pushing Spider Man. I don't know if you remember. They came oh, out. Yeah, and they s- were very uh, they, front and center yeah. on it. They like sang they the really single did. on American Idol. That yeah. like Bono and the Edge came out. They were on sixty minutes. Mm-hmm. Didn't they go on the Tonys actually? Even though it only got nominated for like one or two. Maybe yeah. Just and they try. went on and uh, said something about how embraced they were by the whole uh, oh, yeah. Broadway community uh, and right. Just like when do they even meet the Broadway community? Right. <laughs> Basically, it seems to me like because they get a huge back-end thing. That's what, from reading the book, it seemed like. Yeah. Both Julie Taymor and U2 took huge back-ends where if it's a hit and makes money, they make a shit ton of money. Buco Dolores. But that also might be why they're Buco saying – Dolores it, Claiborne. Mm-hmm. They might be saying it hasn't made a profit yet, so they don't. then uh, nobody has to get paid. Right, yeah. It could be. Because it's played, no for, one three, gets their played for three years. No one gets their Buco Dolores. Buco DeLorean. It played for three years and didn't have any famous people in it and like was at capacity a lot of the time. I think at a certain point that producer, Michael Cole, who is kind of in charge of everything, was just like, fuck it. It's Spider-Man. Just have Spider-Man fly around, kill the Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. You know, then... then you know, eight performances a week. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, you know, point? build up We're the romance between yeah. MJ and him or whatever. We didn't even talk conflict. about this. The original producer, the guy who got oh, Neil yeah. Jordan in the edge, he's there to have Edge in Edge's apartment, have him sign the contracts. Edge comes in, presumably fucking just getting done jerking it. <laughs> Absolutely. No, he comes in because he had to go get a special pen. Oh, yeah, he gets a special pen. This producer who put the whole thing together is dead in his apartment. (laughs) This is, I mean, this show is fucking cursed. (laughs) We buried the lead. It's fucking crazy. That's Tony Adams. While he's going to get a pen, that old excuse. (laughs) That's his alibi. I was going to get a pen. I think it's suspicious. I think the edge murdered this Maybe. guy. Look, I love you two as much as anyone, and quite frankly, Bono, I want, still want you to do the show and get us some t-shirts. Get us some fucking. But t-shirts. Edge, if you're if you're a murderer, I might not like this band anymore. Um, at the very least, he should come on this show and defend himself. Defend yourself, Edge. That's all we're asking. Oh, yeah, before on, we Edge. before we wrap it up, I just want to thank Craig Doster Chandler Jr. Long name. For inviting us to his graduation. Graduation. You could be able to make that. Uh, no, it's already. It's already. Oh, it's passed. happened already. Yeah. He but sent it too late. That's, that's, Craig well, Doster. Oh, Craig Doster Chandler Jr. That's a yeah, rude, rude invitation to get an invitation for something that's already happened. You guys rock. You talking you two to me is the only reason I've survived these last few months of school. Really. That's pretty awesome. A high school graduating high school student. Yeah, listening nice. to this. I mean, a lot of pe- a lot of it's celebrities really nice. are invited to the prom by hot sixteen year old girls. But hey, we got this. Yeah, Craig, thanks, buddy. <laughs> thanks, buddy. The hope- hot ones. It's the hot sixteen year old girls that are <laughs> asking celebrities to go. Hey, Craig. Hopefully, in your future, there's some college girls and some fucking t-shirts. Hey, from the looks of Craig on this, uh, this invite. invite He's a fine-looking young fella. He's going to be. There's a lot of college girls in his future, or college guys in his future. That's Whatever you want. Why Craig. he didn't get around to inviting you until after? Yeah. The world is your oyster, Craig. Fuck whatever you want. <laughs> on us. Look. Is look at the stamp on this envelope. 
Well, you have okay. Don't pull the thing where you don't I give won't. it to I me. Won't, I won't. Oh look, Spider Man on the stamp. Spider Man stamp. That is serendipitous. That's why it's late, probably. Oh yeah, because he had to. He had to stop off in New York. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Turn off the stamp. Is there anything else we can say about Spider Man? I mean, this is kind of our last uh, episode where we actually talk about you two things. Not to give anything away. Yeah. Um, for a while, anyway. Yeah, for a while. I mean, hopefully U2 comes out with a record before next week, so we'll have something to talk about next week. Oh, that'd be good if they came out with one by then. Yeah. Like, that, they could just put out, like, a surprise record. Or That's what we've been talking about. Would you, would you like that if they pulled a Beyonce and just all of a sudden U2 was out with a new record? Sure. I like, I like when anybody does it because it's, you know, it's different. <laughs> it's different to just suddenly surprise everybody with an album. Mm-hmm. Do you like Do you like it when you walk into a room, Doug? And uh-huh. I love walking into rooms. It's your It's your room. It's your house, presumably oh, okay. your apartment. Okay, everything's dark. Uh-huh. You flip on the old switch. Sure. You turn on the light as opposed uh-huh. to turning off the dark. Uh huh. Presumably an empty room. Yeah. All of a sudden like 20 to 30 people pop up from behind your furniture and say, surprise! Surprise. Do I like that? Do you like that, Doug? I'm not a fan of it. Why do you ask? Well, because you keep talking about how you'd love to be surprised by this music. All right. I I have to go. I keep talking (laughs) about it. It's 11.06, Adam. Yeah. We've gone late. I got here at 7. Late. (laughs) Can we talk about that? Oh, my God. Whose fault do you think that is? It's he my had to fault. go watch Chef. Okay, to, I just want to, to make sure you're not, you're not blaming no, me. No, in the text it said seven, but there had been an email in between that text and now saying nine. Yes, I just you yeah. looked at the old text. So I got here at seven. All right. Well, I apologize. I you it, know it's not. It, it's my fault. But but your family is probably disappointed in you for you to be out so late. That's I'm, the problem with the show. Keeps him away from his family. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, listen, guys, you know, <laughs> I, f- I feel like we made some real progress tonight. Look, we've talked a lot of you 2 to people at yeah. this point. By the way, thanks to everyone who liked Stained Glass last week. Yeah. That was a, a lot of fun. That was my favorite episode. Thank you. And thanks to Doug for coming tonight and sure. talking you 2 with us. And thanks to engineer Cody Sam. Cody and Sam. <laughs> for... Talking Billy Joel to us at the Hollywood Joel, mm-hmm. wrapping up that three-parter. Yeah. And, um, you know, next week there's going to be a show. We don't want to say exactly what it – oh, by the way, I do want to thank uh, – I want to thank Therese B. Witkowski. Therese B. Witkowski for donating $100 to this show. Why do you have so much money? Yeah. Thanks, Therese. Appreciate it. She should have spent that money on a microphone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, Therese, something special is coming out to you. Um, That is going to be all for this episode. We have a very special episode next week. Um, But for now, this is Scott. Don't talk. Are you going to say your name? This is Scott. And we, speaking for Doug, hope that you've found what you're looking for.
everyone. Thanks for listening to today's U2. What is it called? You talking U2 to me, which was sponsored in part by our good friends over at Bonobos. Bonobos, what is it? A men's apparel company that has an amazing line. Everything from wash chino shorts, denim, short-sleeved casual shirts, and slim-fit dress shirts to suits and blazers. Go to bonobos.com. That's B-O-N-O-B-O-S.com. And use the code EDGE to get 20% off your first purchase. This has been an Earwolf Media production. Executive producers Jeff Ulrich and Scott Aukerman. For more information, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf Radio. Boom. Com. The world's dead. Hey, Queeros, it's me, Cami Esposito, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, Query. You can sit in on hour-long conversations between me, Cameron Esposito, and some of the brightest luminaries in the LGBTQ family. Query explores individual stories of identity, personality, and the shifting cultural matrix around gender, sexuality, and civil rights. Plus, it is fun. We have had some incredible guests. Uh, Emmy winner Lena Waithe? Yes, definitely. Congressman Mark Takano? You bet. L Word creator Eileen Shaken? Yes. President and CEO of Glad Sarah Kate Ellis? We definitely have. We've got celebs, people like Trixie Mattel, Evan Rachel Wood, Tegan and Sarah, the band, and the people separately on two different episodes. We also have activists and change makers in our community. I think it's a one of a kind show full of chats you have never heard before. It's identity, it's community, it's query. You can find query every Monday on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.